You're listening to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za. Good morning, Collective Church family. It is wonderful to be together this morning. And we are really, really excited about these next few weeks of home church gatherings. So today I get to share some thoughts around houses that change the world. For me, home is a very, very sacred and special value. As I'm sitting here recording, Jude is listening to audio in the library, Maddie is chilling on the couch, I can smell Rob's sticky pork cooking in the kitchen, Mila's upstairs with a friend. It's just the space of joy and togetherness and sharing life, participating in each other's stories. It's a place of safety and belonging. It's a place where we championing each other to be the fullness of what God has created us to be. And so speaking about home and houses that change the world is very dear to my own heart. I know we all love the big uh, worship gatherings, the big meetings that we get to share together, whether it's a Sunday gathering where we're all together, a worship night or a conference, those moments are really powerful. They are blessing moments. And we see that pattern in the ministry of Jesus where he gathered the 5,000 to feed them, where he taught the crowds on the hills. We see it in Acts as well, where Peter is speaking to the crowd and, and thousands of people get, get saved in that moment. But we also see in the ministry of Jesus the building moments, the campfire conversations on the beach, the meals together with his disciples, the miracles that happen in everyday moments. And friends, we need both expressions. We need the big blessing moments, and we also need the everyday building moments together. So much transformation happens around the table. I absolutely love table time. It is sacred in our family. And as a community, it's such an important space because we get to share the journey of life together. We get to show up with our hearts, uh, with our questions, with the challenges we're facing, with the victories, and share that together. It's where we learn to walk in friendship with the Holy Spirit, um, where we learn to live out what it means to belong to the kingdom of God, and we get, where we get to encourage one another to live in the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross, where we get to champion each other to live in our new creation realities as sons and daughters. It's also the place where we pursue the, the impossible, the miracles and wonders in our everyday life. And we see that in the story of Acts as well, where the church met in homes. In fact, the early church didn't gather in church buildings for probably about the first 300 years of the church's history, not until um, Constantine legalized Christianity. Up until that point, they were gathering in homes. And so both is beautiful, the blessing, the big moments, both is powerful, the big and the small building moments that we share around the table as we gather in each other's homes. And in this season, we are relearning what it means to build together life on life. It's what the Holy Spirit is busy with us at the moment, and we want to give ourselves fully to what he is doing with us as a community. And so I'm going to speak this morning um, into a few things that I believe he's emphasizing for this season. 
So let's start by tracking with Rob where he began last week, which is the birthing of the church in the story of Acts. Now, Acts is an incredibly exhilarating story of the early church, but I want you to remember that the kingdom of God is a glory to glory kingdom. Acts is not the best of days. Friends, the best days are yet to come. Acts is a simple uh, blueprint. It's like a springboard for us to dive into the acts of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. But can I stir up in our hearts that the best of we, that we, we want to see of the Holy Spirit is yet to come. And so Luke is the author of both uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke and of Acts. And so he pens the story of the life and work of Jesus in the book of Acts. And then Jesus is taken up to heaven and his life and work is continued through the Holy Spirit in the lives of the men and women that make up the church. It's so beautiful. It's this continuing story. And so you and I form part of that continuing story. As the Holy Spirit works through us, we are continuing the life and the work of Jesus on the earth today. So the story begins where Jesus says to his friends, just before he's taken up to heaven, wait. I want you to wait for the gift that I have promised you. He says to them, it is for your good that I am going away. In other words, it is better for me, for Jesus, to go than to stay with you. Because when I go, the promised Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, comes and is with you. The one that is alongside you is going to take my place. Now, he's speaking to men and women that have lived with him, that have eaten at the table with him, that have shared their life stories, that have seen his, his miracles in the physical realm. And yet he says to them, no, it's for your good. It is better that I go and that the Holy Spirit comes. Now, I want you to think about the things that you're facing in your life at the moment. Wouldn't it be amazing to have the person of Jesus, like in the physical person of Jesus, be with us and, and pray for miracles and, and speak with us about what we're going through? But he says the Holy Spirit is better. And so I want to encourage us, friends, that if you have not seen that upgrade in your friendship with the Lord, if you would rather have Jesus in the physical person with you, then I think we have not yet seen the fullness of what the Holy Spirit and friendship with the Holy Spirit is meant to be for us as believers. So the disciples are gathered together. They're praying and they're waiting for this gift. And suddenly the Holy Spirit is poured out. And this pillar of fire enters the room. Now, of course, that is an image from the Old Testament. The pillar of fire was the manifest presence of God with the Israelites as they moved out of slavery and into the promised land. And um, that pillar of fire would hover over the tent of meeting or the tabernacle so that everyone would know the presence of God is with the people. And so this pillar of fire enters the room and then it splits and it goes as one pillar, one little pillar of fire over each individual in the room. It is so incredibly powerful. And this is what I want to remind us of this morning. The Lord is not housed in a building. He is housed. His home is in each one of us. We carry that pillar of fire within us. We have become individually and collectively the temple of his manifest presence. He's not in one place. He's not in one person. He's not in one building. He is in each one of us. And last week I read Psalm 24 verse 7, 
Wake up, you living gateways. I feel like there's a refreshed understanding in our hearts that's stirring up. You are the gateway. You are the ageless door of destiny. The king of glory comes through you. Don't expect him from somewhere else, from a different place, in a different building. He is within you, and that's the longing that he's stirring with us um, at this time. And so the Holy Spirit is poured out to empower the church, men and women, to continue the work and the life of Jesus, to share the good news of the gospel, and to perform mighty miracles. Friends, every day there is an adventure waiting with the Holy Spirit. As sons and daughters, we get to wake up in the love of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is like, do you want the adventure of today with me? And we get to give him our yes or we get to shrink back and say, actually, no, it's too much. It's not, I'm not comfortable enough. I, I want to stay safe. But he's calling us in this season to partner with him in adventure. The Holy Spirit has got an adventure every day for us to participate in. Let us begin to give him our yes. And not just be drawn back to complacency or to comfort. But yes, Holy Spirit, I'm ready for the adventure with you in today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit on this planet like never before, friends. The world needs to see me and you carry the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read this uh, quote by Henry Blackaby. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. But if we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. It is the season to see God make, made real. God made real. And I want to see that in my life, not just my great ability where people are like, oh, that's great. What you've done is great. No, I want people to see the work of the Holy Spirit, God made real to the world around me. Creation is growing, groaning, friends. My heart is groaning. Creation is growing. The world is groaning for more of the Holy Spirit. I quickly want to give us a little bit of a biblical perspective um, as to the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can hone our expectations, so to speak. So baptism means to be immersed or drenched. Water baptism is obviously the act in the receiving of salvation where we show to the world we have died with Christ as we go under the water and we have been resurrected to new life in him and with him we are a brand new creation. And then there is baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire, the fire, this is this image of, of baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is the power of God. It is the power for miracles, for the supernatural, for the impossible. It is the power for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifested in our lives. Okay? Fire also speaks of illumination. It is the ability to understand in wisdom, to see with the eyes of heaven, to see with spiritual eyes, to understand the ways of the Father, to understand the ways of the Holy Spirit. It is clarity, it is boldness. It's also the purifying, with fire comes the purifying of our hearts and minds as we are transformed in our thinking by the Holy Spirit. There is repentance in the fire. Repentance is the change of mind, the change of thinking. I was thinking this way and I see that there was logical human thinking. I need to think in the way of the Holy Spirit. And so fire speaks about all of those things. Now, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not formulaic. 
It most often happened in the New Testament with the laying on of hands. So believers would come to salvation and then the apostles or, or other believers would lay on of hands and the Holy Spirit would be received, the power of the Holy Spirit. However, sometimes people would just hear the gospel message and you would see the Spirit moving among them. There would be the sign of the Holy Spirit baptizing and without the laying on of hands. There's even another story in Acts where the Holy Spirit was baptizing people before they'd even received receive the knowledge of salvation. The Spirit moves where He pleases and there is no formula. The other thing I want to encourage you is that those, like the apostles that had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, received a fresh immersion, a fresh infilling at various points in the story of Acts. And for us who have received baptism of the Holy Spirit at some point in our Christian walk, Let's be encouraged for a refilling, a fresh immersion, a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit for renewed boldness, renewed courage, renewed clarity, renewed purity in the Holy Spirit. And so whatever category you're in, whether you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or if you have many years ago, let us expect this morning for a fresh impartation and a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in this season. We want all of who he is, friends. We want all that he does in our lives and in our community. What is so beautiful in the story of Acts is that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, he is poured out on all. Let's just read uh, the perspective that Peter gives. He says, this is what's happening. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, your young men to see visions and your old men to experience dreams. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. In this one moment, the Lord deals with Sexism, he pours himself out on men and women with, um, with the generational gap on the old and the young he's poured out. Then we realize in Acts 10, he's being poured out on the Gentiles and the Jews, breaking down um, racism, and of course, being poured out on both slaves and masters. And so the classism is completely dissolved in that moment in the Holy Spirit. It is for everyone. It is not only for the professionals. It is not only for the men. It is not only for the skilled. It is not only for the rich. It is for each and every one of us. Friends, let's just receive that again. You are the revolution. The kingdom revolution is meant for each one of us. Let's own that with a fresh courage and a fresh boldness this morning. It is so important. It is a foundational understanding in the church. It is not for the few. It is for each and every one of us. We are the church. And I want to say this, unity in diversity is what the Holy Spirit does. We are a very diverse group of people. The person sitting next to you might not be your cup of tea. It doesn't matter. We are men and women. We are all races. Um, there is this beautiful diversity. There's older and younger and each one is included i love how how it's not just for the fiery youth that the kingdom of god is meant for it is for each and every one and the beautiful thing is that in our diversity the holy spirit brings unity in fact unity is the testimony that the holy spirit is among us all over the world uh, there's human effort 
at bringing unification, in bringing connectedness, in bringing diversity and unity. And yet, over and over, it fails because legislation cannot change the human heart. It is only the Holy Spirit that can change the human heart. And it's the same in marriage. If you look at two individuals that become one, Rob and I are not in unity because we are alike, because we are the same. In fact, we are very different people and very different processes. And yet we come together and we find we share the same vision. We see things the same. We have the same heart in a moment. That is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in our marriage. That is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same in the church. Unity is a display of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's so important to note that it is not the structure of community that is the most important thing. The model is not the most important thing. We can be meeting under a tree or we can be meeting in a really big building. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that the presence of the Lord is the main thing and that there is unity in the Holy Spirit, real love and real serving of one another. I want to say that the Holy Spirit and his work in the church is the answer to the inequality and the, um, the break in unity that we see across the world in sexism, in racism, in the divide between humans. The Holy Spirit is the only answer. And let's start here in our church community as we, lay, as we learn the Jesus way to serve each other, to love each other, and to lay down our lives for one another. The Holy Spirit's going to move through the, through the church. He's going to bring supernatural unity. It is the answer for our planet. Okay, so you were created for family. Of course, we must be because we are born into family. We're born into the family of the Trinity through the blood of Jesus. He revealed the Father to us. We find ourselves in the Father because of Jesus, unified by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so it needs to look like that here on earth. And um, Jonathan David also says, the more heaven comes to earth, the more earth looks like family. And that is absolutely true. And so I'm encouraging you to yield yourself to family, to bring your heart to family. It's the place where we are formed and molded. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. We get our rough edges kind of, uh, there's the friction that rubs them off, but it's beautiful and it's something to give your heart to. Let me read that Adam Cox quote that I read last week. The new wineskin is not a way we form or gather as a church. It is a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's what we are. We are a family that is fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The work and the person of the Holy Spirit is the center of what we do. He is the reason why we are family. And I want to have a quick note here about there's a lot of emphasis in this morning's message about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. Sometimes people like to divide churches into word or spirit. And I want to say it is so exciting to see the wholeness that, that people of the word and people of the spirit are not two kind of expressions on different poles. That just is crazy. In the person of Jesus, we see the wholeness of scripture, of the living word and the fullness of the spirit. That is what we're after. The Holy Spirit through people is the author of the scriptures. And then we have him as the teacher of the scriptures. And so in our community, we want to see this beautiful wholeness of word and of spirit. All right. We want to be just like Jesus. Zero resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
Let's jump into Act 2 and see what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is active in a community. Uh, Act 2, verse 42. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. The footnote says they became partners. Friends, you and I in this family, we are partners in the gospel. We are partners in seeing the fullness of what the word uh, maps out for us. Fullness of friendship with the Holy Spirit together. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. And they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. I just love that. Rob read that same scripture last week. It's a beautiful picture of what we're hoping for this season, that we will gather together to hear the word, gather together to worship and pray that we will see the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest in our times together, that we'll be around the table sharing communion, coming together in the full victory of what Jesus has won for us on the cross, and that there will be a serving and a loving and a generosity, like a deepening of those things in our community, that we would be filled in with awe and wonder at who God is, that we would pursue the miraculous and the impossible because that is the nature of God himself and that we would share the season together. And of course, that we will see growing in number those that are coming to the Lord. So if the Lord stirs in your heart people that you'd like to invite, maybe people who are outside of church or people that you know may feel comfortable to sit at the table and just talk through these things or participate in these home church gatherings, do that. I believe we're going to see beautiful salvations or people just coming back into the body of Christ. Um, as we gather around physical tables, and this is a beautiful physical table in my home that Rob actually made. We love to gather as a family and friends, and um, some of you will be in our home in the next season. As much as we gather around physical tables, friends, the most important thing is, is your heart a table? Is your heart a place where people can come and gather and feel a sense of belonging, feel a sense of love. That's the most important thing. We actually bring our hearts as the table for connection. And I wanna say, our lives, friends, are a celebration. We live a celebratory lifestyle because of the goodness of God. No matter what we're going through, the challenges we face, the enemy that's at our door, um, the, 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 the growing pains of, of, of like maturing in the Lord, Whatever we're facing, Psalm 23 says he sets a feasting table in the face of the enemy, in the face of the difficulty. We get to feast on the goodness and the kindness and the faithfulness of God on the finished work of the cross every single day. No matter what we're facing, you and I live a celebratory lifestyle. And we're actually inviting other people to participate in the celebration that we are living with the Father. Just think of that parable of the prodigal son and the abundant, extravagant, generous Father that is portrayed in that story. 
we are sitting with him at the table and we are inviting others, the prodigals, the grumpy older brothers, those that don't know him yet, we're inviting them to participate in his faithfulness, his kindness, his goodness in our lives. The heart of hospitality is central to our lives as believers. Uh, 1 Peter 4 tells us that God gives us the grace to love and serve one another. I'm asking that you will ask the Father for a greater grace in hospitality. This message is not for those with the big houses. It's not for the leaders. It's for each one of us. It doesn't matter if you've got an apartment, a mansion, a small home, a tent. You have the grace in the Spirit to love and serve and open your home to the community around you, both the church community and those that don't know the Lord yet, maybe family and friends that, that come into your heart in this moment. You know that we can take family right out of the church model. Um, so often in church, we approach it almost more like a restaurant. We go in, we look at the menu, we listen, we order, we pay, and then we consume and we go home and live the rest of our lives and then we come back to the restaurant the next Sunday. That's not what the Lord has for us. The Lord has family for us. We would get together and we share our lives. It costs us more. It means that we bring our heart. It means that we bring our lives in order to share. It means that we sacrifice and serve. Those of you who have children will know what family costs. And yet it's the most glorious thing. And I believe the Lord is doing that with us as a community. It's just so beautiful. All right, I'm going to end now with Pentecost being a Holy Spirit bonfire. Let's go back to that image of this pillar of fire that came into their midst and then went inside, filled each one of them as a personal fire. So the Holy Spirit's poured out and each person leaves that moment carrying a fire, carrying a flame. And they go on into their homes, into their communities, meeting with others and that flame is multiplied. Those people coming to know the gospel, coming to know the goodness of God, and the flame of the Holy Spirit is manifest and multiplied from home to home to home, from Jerusalem, this impossible task, from Jerusalem, the fire spreads to Samaria and further until it reached the ends of the earth. Just through people like me and you, just through homes, just like you're in right now in this moment, the fire of the Holy Spirit is a wildfire. We gather around him. We allow that, that wind of the Spirit to fan into flame the embers that sometimes feel like they're dying down, to fan that into flame. He's going to spread this wildfire of revival. Let's give ourselves to this moment. Let's gather around the bonfire of the Holy Spirit. Let's allow him to fan into flame the Spirit inside of us as we get together in this season in these homes that could change the world, that could change our communities, friends, that could change our country, that could change the cities of the world. It's not just us. It's all over the world that the Lord is fanning into flame the fire of his Holy Spirit within us. It's a wildfire and it's spreading. So most of all, yes, we want you to gather in homes like in this moment. We want to pray, worship, fellowship, have communion together, feast on the word and share life together. But more than anything, I want to encourage you to expect and make room for more of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to end with this poem by Steve Turner, Spiritus. I used to think of you as a symphony neatly structured, 
full of no surprises. Now, I see you as a saxophone solo, blowing wildly into the night, a tongue of fire flicking in unrepeated patterns. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to move outside of the boxes that we expect him in and move across the landscape of our life, bringing kingdom revival in every area. I love you, friends. This is an exciting season. Thank you for listening. 